Hi, I'm Sam Smargiasi, and you're listening to X-Ray FM at KXRY Portland at 107.1 and 91.1 FM, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. If you're just joining in, today is International Women's Day, which means we are airing a full day of content intended to amplify women. For the next half hour, you'll be learning about Portland dance music and deep house legend Megan Andricos, aka DJ Sappho. If you've gone to any queer dance events around town, chances are she was on the decks. Today we'll talk about her beginnings, her experiences being a woman in the dance music scene and creating safe spaces for queers to express themselves. Thanks for listening. did listen to your form the head interview and i know a little bit about your history um mostly about like how you were once a wee raver and uh got into djing like as a sort of like sustainability thing so that you don't like destroy yourself is that right that is correct yep okay <laughs> you want to tell me a little bit about like what initially attracted you to the electronic music world um i think i mean let me the thing that I first of all started listening to dance music um, like when I was 14 years old. Uh, MTV used to have a show on called uh, Street Party that was filmed out of New York back in the early 90s. And they featured like the club music coming out of New York. So I would be like in Texas in the small town getting this like big city New York music and wanted to like get a chance to actually see it or hear it and happened to be um, in Dallas, Texas for a band trip, a marching band trip. And my friend Gabby and I came across the flyer to see Delight at a rave. So wow. she called her older brother and was like, is this legit? Cause he was, had like lived in New York and was, had been there and now lived in Austin, Texas. And he was like, yeah, you guys should go. So we went and saw Delight and um, at a rave in 1991, we were both 14 snuck out and uh then uh, we were 14 <laughs> we snuck out we called a cab we had our friends cover for us and uh went to our first like I went to my first rave that night um not really knowing it was a rave we just thought it was going to be a concert <laughs> mm-hmm. and um because it started at 10 we got there at a 10 and then it didn't end till like we left we left way before it ended because we we're like we had to be back for um for a curfew uh, before, before they had like we're checking beds at like 4 a.m. to make sure no one has snuck out because um, <laughs> wow. we knew that so yeah so that was that was kind of the thing that got me hooked and then I was just buying any cd that, or tape that came through the music stores um, in south texas that dealt with any sort of like electronic music um, so I like had like the shaman chemical brothers of bunch of like old happy hard, old hardcore and breakbeat uh, CDs just sort of like taking it all in and not yeah. really like digest it was just as long as it was electronic music because it was that wasn't listened to down where I was going to high school at I was like taking it in and then just sort of fell in love with uh deep house music about the mid 90s and uh by then I moved to the Pacific Northwest and was about 45 minutes away from uh, Vancouver, BC. I lived in Bellingham, Washington. So I'd drive across the border and would go to uh, events up there. And that's really like, by the time I was in college, I was pretty much only listening to like electronic music. Um, mm-hmm. 
and uh, but didn't really know the DJ culture until uh, I was a little bit older and met DJs when I was 21 and uh, got to see but they were all guys um, yeah. <laughs> I got to sit, I got to like hang out with them and their girlfriends and watch them DJ. And I think there was like one day I was over at a house party and everyone just left the turntables except for me, my friend Camilla. And she's like, the music's over with. We should just walk around with this. Oh, yeah. um, I guess I probably shouldn't use that word. We should go mess around <laughs> with these turntables. There, we'll re-edit that. Um, yeah, we should go mess around with the these turntables. And uh Right when that happened, I was like, I really want to learn how to do this. Uh, so I waited and was able to get some and self-taught myself and have been like really, yeah. so I've been doing an elect into electronic music for like 20, 32 years now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's That's been, great. yeah, yeah. So approaching those turntables, it was like a moment where you kind of felt like the universe was like, look at this, let's do this, focus on this. Yeah. And it was a way to take control too um, mm -hmm. and be like, oh, wow, I can be the one who is in control. And at that point, I had probably seen, I hadn't seen many women behind the decks. And the about two weeks before that moment where I got on the decks, I saw a DJ from San Francisco named DJ Darcy. Okay. And I was just like blown away. I think I spent the whole, like her two whole two hour stairs set, just like watching her DJ. Cause I was like, this is so unusual. She's on the main stage. She's like closing it out. And like, usually women are like relegated to opening the party and playing when no mm -hmm. one's there, not when everyone's there. And so I just couldn't stop thinking about like this power that she had and like the fact that she's there. And I was like, I want to do that too. That's so beautiful. really that was like the influence was uh, seeing that and then being able to get and starting to play around on turntables. That's beautiful. I have a similar experience whenever I see women on turntables or women like making music in general. I'm just like so fixated. Yeah. Buying music after that, I started like trying to really find more female producers, which was difficult. Uh, I mean, it's now becoming more, but women electronic music making music in the 1990s was very, very rare. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I find it's difficult to like, I will turn to playlists for, that are like specified for electronic music. And like, I really have to filter through to like finally find a female producer and that's frustrating. Yeah. But um, do you feel like people were receptive to you when you first started DJing? Um, I was in a small town. So I had a lot of friends that were um, really supportive. I was in Bellingham, Washington. So a smaller, a smaller college town. Um, I think it was more of the, when I played to anyone outside of my friend group, it was a novelty because I was a girl behind the turntables. Mm -hmm. um, and I, but I, I'm not going to lie, I probably got a couple of my earliest bookings because they were like, you're a girl behind the, the decks. Right. <laughs> wow, this is, this is a novelty and, and, you're, and you're not bad. But I wasn't exactly great either. But yeah, it was sort of that sort of uh, mentality. And I, I, I'm so glad that it's no longer a novelty and that like, yeah. And that people are like, you're good for a girl is no longer Ooh. the thing that people, I hope people don't say that. I haven't <laughs> heard that in a really long time. Um, yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard it, but it did give me shivers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've heard, I've heard, I, that was something that I had heard um, in the past. It's like, wow, you're really good for a girl. And I was like, that's sort of a, like, backhanded compliment yeah but now you're dj sappho and you're like one of the top names that people drop when they're talking about like the portland dance music scene yeah like, yeah that's great yeah you did it yeah, i did it i got through that 
and you know and it was yeah and that, there were definitely there was intimidating about like especially playing with a bunch of guys that kind of sometimes some of the guys I played with I was like they felt I was more of an interloper trying to take their like space because they're like you're a girl you're not as good as you are we are yeah yeah Gross. and then I had to show so I had to prove myself which probably involved but that's why I like practiced so much when I first started was because I was like I need to prove to, to everyone that I'm just as good as they are yeah. nice yeah. okay so um how did that all lead to you starting your own dance nights um I started my own dance nights just because I kind of wanted a place at the table. So um, I first started throwing raves um, back in, I was still in college, so uh, early 2000s, and did that with my friend. And we just did it because there wasn't anyone doing parties in Bellingham, Washington. And we also wanted to do it as more of a social um, like socially conscious event. So all of our events raise money for um, women's like nonprofit groups, uh, what we raise money for shelters or for outreach to, for domestic violence, um, counseling groups. Um, so we did that. And, um, and so really, and that was just to like, make a space for just parties in a small town. And then when I moved to Portland, it was really just cause I wanted to give my, give myself a seat at the table because, mm-hmm. um, there wasn't very many things going on yet again in Portland in the early 2000s. And uh, I think if I was sitting around waiting for someone else to book me, I wouldn't have been playing very much or I had a chance to um, have uh, have other people I wanted to play, play alongside with me. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you're in charge of Opal Underground, right? Right. Me and David, uh, David Sylvester, David Silver. Okay. And those are supposed to be queer oriented. They are queer oriented. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Just so that, that's a, that's a, that's sort of, uh, is the growth from there used to be a party called no FOMO that uh, mm-hmm. David and I threw and we decided, um, instead of just trying to throw a focus on one party, we wanted to make Opal underground, which is an umbrella party where we can bring in various queer parties and not just our own and co-produce with them at Holocene. So it's bringing in, like, we're trying to bring more people into the fold um, and not get, gatekeep. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Talk more about that. Um, so uh, we, let's see. Uh, well, our vision is that we are, because we're just launching uh, this upcoming month, March in March, for Opal Underground at Holocene officially um, oh, for our monthly party. So we've got how many different, three different, but two different DJ two different DJ crews and then um, outside performer Freak Daddy is going to be our headliner. Um, and they're amazing. They do hyper pop um, mm-hmm. and then drag performers that are also not within our crew. And so like um, the following month, we're going to be doing a showcase called show me love in April, which is like a nineties based uh, house music party. Oh, I'm um, looking forward to that. Yeah. That's going to be really fun. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, every month that you're sort of like trying to bring in, not just Opal, Opal Underground will produce some things fully, but other ones will be different offshoots of other parties that we're collaborating with. Can you remember like a really positive experience that you've had at one of these parties that you've thrown where you just kind of noticed like, this is good. What I'm doing is right. When I got um, into throwing parties, uh, this party called Turn to Up, mid 2010s I think that was when I realized because there were so many people that started coming that were um queer and like really into it and also finding self-expression and freedom within the spaces that we were doing our first uh, turned up party 
like the pictures just came back up on Facebook as a memory and just looking at it and seeing the community that gathered. And um, I'm going to say like the lack of clothing that were on people by the end of this event in Portland was, uh, and just everyone just having a blast. I think that was, when I realized that this was like a little bit bigger, that it was more than just like a rave with music, but it was like a gathering of people to come and meet each other and um, express themselves freely and it was suddenly became more than a place for me to share my music and more of a reason to create a safe space for people to express themselves. And that's been, I've been focused on is like now when creating a space where people can come and feel free enough to express themselves um, as, as safe as in, in an as environment as safe as we can make it. Yeah. DJ Sappho had a set at Temp Les in late February. I got the chance to attend and see the magic of a dance floor free from the cis male gaze. We're talking playfulness, laughter louder than the bass, and a conscious lack of toxic power dynamics. It was pure. I got to talk to attendees Ray, Kat, and Rose about their thoughts on a lesbian-oriented dance party. Megan Andricos has a lot going on that's largely due to her own efforts. I get the sense she doesn't like to wait for opportunities to come to her, she makes them. She's releasing music under moniker Sappho, she's DJing parties every weekend, hosting nearly as often, and now she's got a record label. She's not just making space for herself though, this is for artists of her beloved queer community. Um, do you want to tell me a little bit about your record label? Um, so I opened, or started Fritzy Coma Records, uh, this past year in 2021. Um, it is a queer-based electronic music uh, label co-run by myself and Damon Boucher. Uh, we started the label because we got a grant from the RAC, which is the Regional Arts Council, uh, Arts Commission and Council, or Commission or Council and Commission, um, at, based out of here in the Portland metro area. And so we wrote a grant um, to launch the label um, to not just to be able to also self-produce our music, but be able to get the funding to not just do that, but to be able to produce or get out other people's music. Because um, we like probably could have gotten ours out as just a self-production, but we, I was thinking bigger and wanted to get a label here in Portland that like really is open to and out to uh, get music out there. Uh, to our sources and have it, uh, yeah, officially released. Right. Um, yeah. Opening the gates to that. Opening community. the gates, exactly. Yes. Okay, lovely. Um, and I am so sorry if I pronounced it wrong. Quartzicoma? Uh, Quartzicoma. 
Korsikoma? Yes. And I, that's Russian for something, right? It's Greek for party girl. Okay. Yeah. Because I I, I, I'm a Greek uh, heritage. Um, okay. My dad is Greek. Uh, and uh, and then my name, Sappho, is also uh, the, from the Greek uh, poet from 3 BC who was living on the island of Lesbos, which was right. part of the, you know, part of Greece back then. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Yeah. So okay. it's sort of all tying it in. Damon and I took a long time to decide on the name and I actually handed it to him. He was like, what about party girl records? And <sighs> I was like, cause that's my, one of my favorite movies from the nineties. And, uh-huh. uh, and it kind of like, you know, we kind of all sometimes like jokingly call each other party girls. And I was like, that's great. I was like, but that just seems, I was like, Sometimes I was like, I'm sure there is got to be another party girl record out there, even if someone hasn't listed it, like someone has that idea. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how can we make this more? And I was like, I like, just happened to look up on Google Translate, party girl translated into Greek. And uh, that's what it came up. And I was like, that's a ring to it. Uh, nice. so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about like us coming out of the pandemic mm-hmm. and the amount of creativity Um and creation that's happened in Portland in the last two years has been amazing. Uh, there's so many new artists, so many new queer artists, so many new uh, non-binary femme queer artists that have like really gotten into uh, doing it during this, the last two years. And um, I'm excited to see where we're going to go as a city with all these new performers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been really trying hard to uh, myself personally get listen to everybody and get familiar with what people have been doing. Um, Cause like, I think this is probably one of the most exciting times creatively in Portland that I have lived through. Um, you can see it with, I, some people complain about the graffiti and everything that's going on. And I understand that we have lots of problems, but um, that create the, cre- the, the graffiti gives me so much hope in this town. Cause I'm like, damn, I've never seen, gra- I've lived here in Portland for, over 20 years and I've never seen graffiti like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's just kind of the visual of telling me that there's so much creative creativity going on right now. Um, it's like, reminds me of like New York in the late seventies where uh, there's so much wrong with our government, especially our city government. And there's so much wrong with like the inequalities in the city, but that brings so much creativity um, uh, and sparked for people to create because we've got to like, figure out creative ways to make this place a better place. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much where <laughs> yeah. I'm at is I'm just really like, uh, yeah, I, people are kind of complaining about Portland at this time. And I think there's, it sort of has potential for me a, like an open book for change. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I resonate with that highly. Yeah. People yeah. are floating and you can see yeah, it. I, and you can see it. And I go to other cities that aren't quite going through what we are. I've had a chance this the past few months and they're, I, they feel stagnant where Portland kind of feels um, a little bit electric. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Thanks to Megan Andrikos, or as you know her, DJ Sappho, the crowd and staff at Templez and Atlantis Lounge, and to X-Ray for helping me put this all together. Remember, dance music was created by Black people, synthesizers were perfected by women, and house music came from queer nightclubs. Everyone deserves space here. I'll leave you with a single from Sappho and Damon Boucher called All I Want Is You, out now on Kurt Sikoma Records. <laughs>